This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Jack Foster and Ryan Jumper. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome in to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Special Edition Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Foster, alongside Ryan Shumpert. Coming at you on a Wednesday morning here in studio, Ryan. It's been a couple weeks since we've done the baseball pod in studio, but it's always better to do it here. How are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing well. Fighting some allergies, but as is life in uh, the South in the spring. So doing well besides that and uh, ready to get on here and talk about a struggling Tennessee baseball team. Yeah, struggling. More than struggling, yeah, right? I mean, kind yeah, we were debating, or kind of debating yesterday, like, uh, do do we do it on Zoom before the midweek like we did last week, or do we just wait till Wednesday to do it in studio? I'm like, let's just do it Wednesday. Well, good thing we did. Because, yeah, good call, huh? <laughs> because Tennessee lost their midweek last night, and frankly, it wasn't that close. I mean, they got they got handled by Tennessee Tech 12-5. to Yeah, they trailed start to finish, you know, 1-0 in the first inning, uh, 5-0, uh, before Tennessee got it to 5-3, and it kind of felt like at that point they'd probably win. They'd probably find a way to come back. Uh, but I think it was the sixth inning that uh, Tennessee Tech kind of extended their lead a little bit. And then in the ninth inning, they broke it open. What was it, a four or five run ninth inning? And Yeah, I think it was five because it was seven to five, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. That sounds right because Tennessee had gotten a couple more uh, runs to, to kind of get back within striking distance, I want to say, in the seventh inning. So, yeah, it was a, a bad performance against, you know, frankly, what's obviously a small school in Tennessee Tech, but a not very good small school either. Yeah. Two and seven in OVC play, what I believe like eleven and twenty four now in the season. So, Correct. Uh, bad loss for sure. It caps off a, a really bad uh, last six seven days for Tennessee baseball. Yeah, Tennessee Tech was better last year. Yeah, yeah when when and they weren't great last year, but but they were better. They were better, right? And they gave you know if that game wasn't canceled. Early on in the season yeah. last week, I believe it was the first midweek, or maybe, you know, Tennessee Tech was leading or it was close. I think and it was five four Tennessee. Okay, I know they had like three in the first inning. Yeah, it was it was a very competitive close right. game. Yeah. And then of course they won the Woodbat game, but this was just other level bad for Tennessee. And it's coming off of a series sweep to Arkansas in Fayetteville, loss of course. So now it's a four game losing streak for Tennessee. Ryan, I think you said it last night, but it's fair to say Tennessee's reached a new low. Yeah, they have. Uh, it's you know there haven't been a whole lot of highs this season. Probably just that Texas A and M series. Uh, you know, a couple of good series finale wins against good teams. But yeah, it's cratered to a new low. It kind of felt like you were already there to begin with uh, after getting swept at Arkansas. Uh, I guess on paper, you know, that wouldn't have been uh, as bad as the Missouri series. But it kind of felt like and Tony Vitello said it to a degree last last night it's like yeah when you lose games early in the season it's like we got time we got to learn about ourselves and while Missouri was an SEC series it was still early in SEC play Mm -hmm. you're in mid-April mid-April now you're getting close to May the time of figuring stuff out about yourself is over it's time to win ball games so that kind of made it feel like uh, they were already at a low after the Arkansas series and, and certainly Tennessee Tech pushed them a little bit lower well, I, I think there's no more excuses now. And I know I'm out of excuses because we talked last week and the week before, hey, weather, Missouri, Arizona started the season. LSU and Florida are really, really good, right? Great offense. And then Tennessee was able to salvage the series on Sundays or on game three. So they're not they, – they belong on the same field as LSU and Florida. Well, now they go on the road and they get swept by Arkansas. Now there's no excuses for that. Now's the time to realize that Tennessee is just not a very good baseball team. 
Yeah, I mean, not even excuses. There's just no silver linings. Yeah, you know? there you go. That's a better word. There, yeah. there's no, there's no positives, and I think that's maybe the thing that stands out the most about this Arkansas series is that LSU and Florida, those two teams are, a, I don't know, good, but they're more talented than Tennessee. They're definitely right. more talented than Tennessee. Arkansas, especially with some of the injuries they have, is not more talented than Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they'll go into Arkansas. They're still a really good team, top five, playing on the road. That's hard. But the talent level was not crazy on that field uh, all weekend. The difference was Arkansas played good, clean baseball. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot, and they took advantage when they had scoring opportunities. And Tennessee did the opposite of those things. They shot themselves in the foot consistently defensively, and they were horrible with runners on base. And uh, when you don't have a, a loaded loaded lineup, you got to take make the most of your scoring opportunities. Tennessee didn't do that. And if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to be a really good offensive team, uh, you better play good defense and, and be able to win low-scoring games. And Tennessee really has showed no ability to do that this season. Yeah, Arkansas played fundamentally sound, and Tennessee just didn't. And it's seemingly hard for Tennessee to do so. I'm going to ask you, yeah, the offense was really bad, um, quite literally, the, throughout the whole weekend. But do you think that Tennessee is losing more games because of their lack of offense or because their defense is putting them in situations that they can't dig themselves out of? I would say it's probably been more the defense and the the defense and pitching a little bit combined, but obviously the defense has been the driving force yeah. for the the giving up the runs. The pitchers are getting no help. No help. And this weekend, I mean, I thought that, you know, Drew Beam was obviously bad on s- Sunday, yeah. and Camden Sewell, he wasn't, I didn't think, just awful, awful. You know, he certainly didn't have his best stuff. He kept it together one inning, but certainly was not what you expect from Camden Sewell. So Beam and Camden Sewell, not good. Everybody else who pitched for Tennessee was good. Yeah. Chase Dolander was good. Andrew Lindsay was fantastic, and the Tennessee's defense just gave him no chance to win behind him. So, like you said, absolutely no favors. And, yeah, I, I would probably agree with that's the biggest one. I mean, you go and look at the SEC series as a whole. Certainly the offense hasn't been great in all of them, but I think there's been uh, a handful of games that they've lost that the offense has probably done enough for the game to at least be competitive, and the defensive mistakes didn't allow that. But it, at the same time, they're both, you know, they're both issues. I don't mean to – no, just bash the defense to, to or magnify the defensive issues to, to act like the offensive issues aren't a big deal because they certainly are too. Well, of course, the starting pitching rotation last weekend was Andrew Lindsay on Friday, Chase Dolander on Saturday, and then Drew Beam on Sunday. Quick hook for Beam as he gave up six earned runs and one and a third or one and two thirds. Um, and then Chase Burns comes in, really good bullpen performance, and it feels like that that's the role Chase Burns needs to be in for this team moving forward. Yeah, I think so, probably. And it was a good sign, for sure. And that was the best he's looked this year, in my opinion. His off-speed stuff was really good. He was thrown early in counts for strikes, which is all the stuff that we've talked about that he needs to do. So what do you think changed? Do you think it's because he came out of the bullpen, or do you think it's because now that he had changed roles, he was just different? I don't know. And what I was about to bring up, and I think is the thing you kind of have to at least take into consideration. I don't know if this is it. He entered in a game since he was losing 6 nothing. There wasn't a lot of pressure. Lot of pressure. Right. It right. was a low-pressure moment. Tennessee had all but lost the game already when he came in in the second inning. So it's easy to pitch like that. And we, you know, I think we've wondered that with Doe Ender this year, if the pressure has gotten to him some in some of these big Friday night starts uh, and all of the hype that he has and all the hype those games have. And I think you, you wonder if that's the same thing with Burns after disappearance. And maybe it is just as simple as him getting to the bullpen and him finding a little bit of confidence there, but or maybe it's just a combination of, of multiple things, and we'll figure out over time, you know, as we see more appearances from him. But uh, 
great sign, no doubt, but I do think you have to wonder at least if he will be able to replicate that in a high intensity in big spots. Gotcha. What, what, Drew Beam has been arguably the most consistent starting pitcher, probably the most consistent starting pitcher for Tennessee this season. And just as Tony Vitello said very bluntly in the postgame interview, he didn't hit the strike zone. What, do you think this is just an anomaly for Drew Beam? What do you think went wrong for Beam in this weekend in Arkansas? Uh, I think I think it is a bit of an anomaly. I think he'll be back fine. And, you know, Tony Vitello, you know, you wonder, or he, I think he said it yesterday, actually, you wonder maybe putting too much pressure on himself. We didn't play well the first two games. He feels like he's got to carry the load. You know, I don't know. It was an extremely uncharacteristic Beam start. Because, you know, Beam's... Even, you know, going back to last year, or even a few times this year, like he hasn't been great. Like, he struggled a, a little bit in starts. But it's, I've never seen him struggle the way he struggled against Arkansas, which was, as Tony Vitello said, yeah. he couldn't throw strikes. Like, that's usually yeah, that's what he's great. Game. That's Yeah, that's his bread and butter. He's going to exactly. throw it in the strike zone. And, if you know, some teams have been able to hit him around and take advantage of that. But the ones that uh, the ones that haven't been able to do that, he usually is really successful against because he found the strike zone. But certainly that wasn't the case on Sunday. Well, it wasn't a good weekend for Tennessee baseball, and now Vanderbilt comes to town, another top-five team, fourth in the country. Uh, the top-five teams just keep rolling in for Tennessee. This is now the fourth weekend in a row. They'll be playing a series against the top-five team. Vandy's pretty dangerous. They have the best overall record in the SEC. Um, probably not as dangerous as Florida or LSU, certainly offensively, though. Um, they got a lot of talent coming into Knoxville. But can Starting with last night, Tennessee's got a nine-game homestand. How much do you think that's going to help Tennessee try to at least get things sorted out? I don't know if it's going to work. It doesn't look like it's going to after the way last night <laughs> Not went. a good start to it, huh? Right, exactly, of course. But do you think this this has got to help, right? Like Just to stay home for a couple weeks and just try to figure things out. You would think so, and they have been a lot better at home this year. So I think, yeah. you know, if we had recorded this yesterday, this would probably have been a big, you know, a big talking point. Of, yeah, you got two weeks at home to figure things out. Obviously, Vanderbilt's really good, but a little bit easier series after that with Mississippi State. So figure things out and get ready for you know the home stretch of the season essentially. And I think it it makes it more likely that Tennessee will figure some things out and turn the season around, especially when you look at it now. It's like they need a radical change. Something's got to – something. the flip has got to switch, and it's got to happen soon. So I think that's where the positive comes in. But there's no – it's not like just because they're at home. That's going to be a given by any means either. It maybe makes it more likely. It makes it easier. But it's hard to think that just because of that, it's like, okay, they're going to figure everything out and get it going. Makes it more likely, but not definitive by any means. I was thinking last night when I got home, I don't know how much stock you put into the Tennessee Tech loss. Tennessee's lineup was just wild last night. I mean, this was similar to a midweek lineup we've seen earlier in the season a couple of times, such as Kendro starting. Of course, Maui Hoon's still dealing with back injury, but Logan Chambers also in there. Christian Moore was in a walking boot. So there was a lot of you know changes within Tennessee's lineup, and then they threw 12 pitchers. I mean – this is not a game Tennessee is going to play the way they played it a lot. So I'm just curious, how much stock do you actually put into the loss last night against Tennessee Tech? Yeah, to me, if Tennessee was playing well, let's say they, you know, won, they could even lost the Arkansas series, but if they weren't playing well. If it wasn't desperation mode already going into last night, I would say, you know, not a huge deal. You teams lose midweek games. Good teams lose midweek games. Vanderbilt got killed by, uh, granted, yep. a better Indiana State team. Did Louisiana lose to – or LSU lose to Lafayette? I'm not sure. They were down. I'll, go, I'll check. He's I know our, last week Arkansas lost their midweek game. So, you know, it's not the end of the world to lose midweek games, especially like this when you don't have a handful of your starters in the lineup. 
But to me, you just can't – I can't look at it that way, at least, because Tennessee is in desperation mode, and Tennessee is desperately trying to find its best baseball, and it, everyone should have been 115% locked in last night to say, mm-hmm. hey, we're starting to turn around. We got this eight-game homestand. Now is the time we turn it around. It starts now, and that wasn't the case. The, the pitchers didn't seem ready. Guys that have been good in the midweek did not seem locked in the way they need to be. And even that's on you know the more – practical level but even when you extend it and you start looking at hey what's Tennessee's path to the NCAA tournament 14 wins is usually the number in SEC play if you get to 14 but that's also dependent on you know you not being bad in the non-conference and I don't think this one loss to Tennessee Tech is just going to change that but it does give you less wiggle room if you lose you know you drop another midweek game at some point so uh, I think it matters a little bit from the resume and it RPI too RPI RPI is the big thing with the resume yeah. yeah and but I, more than anything, I think it's just worrisome that this team wasn't in a place that they could snap the weekend away in Arkansas and start playing better baseball. No, that's a good point. And you talk about that 14-win mark that Tennessee will want to reach. It's going to be tough to do that 14 SEC wins, that is, for Tennessee moving forward. Of course, they're 5-10 and 10 right now. As I mentioned, Vandy's coming to town. You'd be surprised the way Tennessee's playing if they win that series. So if you put two losses there, they're down to four losses for the rest of the way if they're going to get 14. SEC wins. They got a series in LNS against Miss State. That is a sweepable series. Then they go to Georgia, get Kentucky at home, a Kentucky team that has been in the top 15 for a good minute now, a very, very good Kentucky team. And then they close the season at South Carolina, which has been one of the best teams in the country. So, you know, just looking at this, how important does that make this series this weekend? I think every series at this point is really important, you know? it's But, but this is the toughest one probably and it's at home against Vanderbilt right now I just feel like this is going to be the most important one yeah I think you could say that because this or Kentucky I guess yeah one one of those two it feels like because of how bad they've been on the road they really need to take advantage of the home series exactly because I'm not no one should be confident about the South Carolina series (laughs) far from confident put three losses in (laughs) yeah do what you want and it's even kind of funny I you know this is a complete sidebar while you obviously you want to play at home, South Carolina would be a terrible team for Tennessee to play at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, especially at that time of year, because South Carolina hits so many home runs. <laughs> I mean, they are a full power-hitting lineup. So there is probably some silver linings to playing uh, South Carolina on the road for Tennessee, but you're right. It, and I think maybe the thing that's good for Tennessee to get Vanderbilt this weekend is that it really feels like this is the tipping point in the season. Like, they, they can't keep losing it, or their, post, their path to the NCAA tournament's over. So yeah. it feels like... Get one of the harder series out of the way, and if you can win the series, if you can flip it, it's like, okay, all of a sudden you've got some momentum going into some of those easier series. The series aren't going to be easy because it's the SEC, and right now Tennessee's playing like one of the worst teams in the SEC. There's not anyone in the league conference really playing worse than them, but it gives you some momentum going into those, and I think can can flip the script, but certainly you have to do that. And, you know, Tennessee certainly didn't show any any signs of turning things around post-Arkansas in game one last night. So you think Vandy could flip the switch, if you will? Yeah, I a mean... A Vandy series win, that is. Yeah, I mean, I think it could. It doesn't necessarily mean that it would, but I think if you're in that room, if you're in that locker room, and you do win two out of three against Vanderbilt, it's like, okay, guys, well, we can we can do this. We're yeah. capable. We've shown we're capable. Let's start playing better baseball. And and if you win two out of three, the path is still not easy. It's still rocky to get to the NCAA tournament, but it's a lot more attainable, or a lot more achievable, I guess would be the proper phrasing 
Well, I, I don't know how shorthanded they're going to be, but they were shorthanded last night as Christian Moore, as I mentioned, was in a walking boot. Tony Vitello said on radio it was like a bruise on his foot. Didn't give much information post game. He was out recruiting Monday, so that was all new to him yesterday. That is Tuesday yesterday. And then Mal Yahoon is still dealing with a back injury. It's affecting him defensively more so than offensively. And then Zach Joyce, which we haven't seen on SEC weekends, but this is gonna be this is just a blow to Tennessee's bullpen as it doesn't look like he's gonna be back anytime soon after an elbow injury. Of course, he's had problems in the past, big problems yeah. in the past, of course. And um, he exited last last night's game in a lot of pain. And Tony Vitello says it doesn't look good. So three injuries to monitor here for Tennessee. Yeah, and. You know, it's kind of the players are have had a bigger role on this team. You know, Maliuna and Christian Mordo's injuries seem less serious. Right. While at the same time, you know, I don't uh, with Ahuna's injury. I and we'll see, but it's kind of hard to think it's just going to go away. Like it just seem it doesn't seem like there's anything super serious. It's nothing that all right, you can just shut him down for a couple weeks and he's going to be fine. It just seems like it's going to be a nagging back injury that plagues him for the rest of the season. So the question is just. How can he manage that pain, and can he play effectively through it? Obviously, we've seen him be really bad defensively when he yeah. has played in the last couple of weeks while he's been dealing with it. It's it's basically a net loss. You know, you can't have him on the field if he's going to be like that. Yeah. Christian Moore, obviously, time will tell. I don't think that's – you know, he can miss some time. He's not going to be out for the year with it. But, yeah, Joyce, who hasn't had as big as a role as I think I expected this season, and certainly as SEC play has progressed, that one – seems very serious and, and certainly looked really bad. Yeah, you hate to say it. Just a guy who's been through a lot, you know. Just Definitely. to get to this point and then now he's injured again. So best wishes to Zach, of course. But, yeah, just these injuries and Christian Moore. Let's talk about that shortstop position, though, for a sec. Obviously, we kind of know the script about how I believe Jaslov is better at hitting lefties um, than Kendro is. So if a lefty starter throwing – probably going to see Austin Jaslov in but Jake Kendro has more potential to me offensively and I don't think the defensive drop-off if there is one is that big so do you think we'll see Kendro more times than not than Jaslov at shortstop uh, I, that's a good question I and I think it's probably riding the hot hand a little bit they're just such similar players no me. yeah they really are I, I think Kendro a little has more reach I that's think. what I was about yeah. to say he, I think he's a little bit more athletic and can has a little bit more range defensively, so I think that might lend to him getting a few more opportunities. And so I, I don't really know. I guess is the answer. My guess is you see both those guys, and it brings me to one of the more interesting things I thought Tony Vitello said last night, which was something to the extent of, you know, we, you know, it gets to this point in the year, you just got to find your guys and just roll with them. And Tennessee's done the opposite of that. I mean, it's been a roulette wheel yes. of who's going to be playing every day. I, I come up with this thought a couple of days ago when I was watching the Sunday game, um, the Sunday Arkansas game. It feels like, I, I don't want to say he's doing this, but it feels like to me that Tony Vitello is just like throwing stuff on the wall and seeing if it sticks. A little bit. Last night it did. Yeah, well, yes. But even yeah. before that, like the different lineups each game, it's like, okay, nothing's working. Let's just keep trying stuff, keep trying stuff. There's no cohesiveness with how Tennessee is doing things at all you're right there's not and I do think it you know where does where's the line in tinkering and trying to find different things to work and then just throwing things against the wall it's kind of I guess that's the question because it's somewhere in there yeah I think we're reaching the point where it's throwing things against the wall I I do yeah I I believe that yeah I don't think you're necessarily wrong and that's what to me that's what made Vitello's comment so interesting of we got to just find we just got to find some guys and roll with it because there's not only been no consistency in how 
and who ten, and t- who Tony Vitello's had in the lineup card every day. There's been no, con- I mean, there's been no consistency with who's performing. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, well, there's not a whole lot of separation between these guys. How do you decide who you're just going <laughs> to stick it out and ride? Yeah, you're going to stick it out and ride with because uh, we haven't come close to seeing that all reason or all season. And while they're probably, you know, Vitello, you could certainly argue that he's gone a little far with the tinkering and throwing things against a wall. I kind of understand why he's done it because no one's seemingly taking the reins in a lot of those spots. Well, someone who's performed pretty well all season long and who performed well this past weekend against Arkansas at the plate, that's Kavars Tears. Um, got a couple of opportunities. Didn't start every game in Arkansas. Didn't start last night, but pinch hit. I, th- I think, and you asked Tony Sunday that Kavars Tears, talk about consistency. He's probably given you the most consistent at-bats on the team outside of Jared Dickey. So I think Kavars Tears should be a staple in Tennessee's lineup every single game. I was really surprised he didn't start last night. Like yeah. that was really puzzling to me because he was he was one of three guys that had any sort of production offensively against Arkansas, and he did it with you know just starting one game and really just getting at bats in two games. And he, I think, in what he had six at bats, I think all but one of them he made hard contact. Now he didn't get on base every time, but right. he was seeing the ball well. And he's done he, it all season. Too, and he has contact. done it all season. And you know he has some bad swing and misses with the off speed stuff, but it's also not like. He can't hit it. Like he gets a ton of that off-speed stuff because he does have the power and he can just mash fastballs. But you know he sometimes looks silly with the off-speed stuff. But there were a lot of times, really all season, but over the weekend where he held back on change ups, change ups, and turned on it and got extra base hits. So uh, yeah, uh, I don't see why why he wouldn't be playing. They have shown they feel comfortable enough playing him in the outfield. So you're not even just limited to just designated hitting him or him being the designated hitter. So. That was puzzling, and he's certainly a guy I think has more than earned to be an everyday starter. Yeah, and um, this past weekend we didn't see Jared Dickey play catcher um, in any of the games against Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. No. Because Cal Stark started all three. Do you think that was just more because Mally Hoon is out, can't bat leadoff, so you want Jared at leadoff? Jared's batting leadoff, can't play catcher because the turnaround's too quick, too tough on him. Do you think that's the reason we saw Cal Stark behind the plate all weekend? No, because I think I think he still could have hit leadoff and and caught. You know, I don't think that would have kept him from being able to do that. So I don't I don't know. I can't I can't figure out the catcher spot at all. <laughs> I really can't. It I feels- just thought it was odd that you know Cal Stark started all three games, but um, maybe I did listen to Tony Vitello's radio interview last night. So I think maybe he said that then about okay. how it's a tough on it's Jared a tough to term. go catcher to leadoff. But I think he said it for last. I don't. I can't remember. I think he said it for last night though because they were fielding first, you know, because yeah. Tennessee's the home team. So just never mind that about being on the road. It actually wouldn't matter. So maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, to me, that more just feels like a convenient excuse. I'm sure it is a tough turnaround, but it's not like he can't do it. It's not like yeah. that's something Jared Dickey couldn't handle. So, yeah, I mean, you asked about the catcher spot. I I have no thoughts, <laughs> no understanding of what they're doing at catcher. You know, not to say that, Again, it's like all these things. No one's really taking the reins of it, so they're just kind of trying different things, riding the hot hand. And I think with the way, with the fact that Malayoun is out, and you have to have Kendra or Jazlov in, that kind of eliminates Charlie Taylor from being a starter, just because that's two kind of dead bats in the lineup. And and really, even Christian Scott's hit the ball well recently. A third one, you know, he's not a great bat if he's in the lineup. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure uh, what the rhyme or reason is to it. And you know, he talks about 
like I said, like we just talked about, wanting to find certain guys and just riding it out with them, I think catcher would probably be the most fascinating if that really is something Tennessee does. We talked about the middle infield, talked about the catch position, talked a little bit about the outfield. That's probably the positions that are up in the air a little bit for Tennessee at the moment as far as who's going to start consistently. So we got those covered. Let's talk about just why Tennessee is in this position because we talked about the defense being bad. They don't play fundamental baseball sometimes. The pitching has not been near as good as we thought it was going to be. Same goes for the offense, but – it feels a little deeper than that, and Tony Vitello had a quote Sunday that we wrote a story on in RocketTopInsider.com about how he's worried about this team playing tough enough. And to play in the SEC, you got to be tough. And if there's one thing 2022 Tennessee baseball volunteers were, that is tough. You could see it. It bled onto the baseball diamond every single game, and it doesn't with this team. And do you think that maybe the root of Tennessee's problems goes deeper than just what we see on the field and maybe it's something like toughness? Yeah, I mean, it could. It's hard to say for sure, but I think that's certainly logical. Um, we certainly know they have better talent than yeah, what they're showing. This should not happen. This you know? is the first time in, what, is Tony Patel's sixth year? Obviously one year they only played 25 games or whatever before COVID ended the season. The first five years... Tennessee, every every year, Tennessee was better than, than their talent. The sum of the parts was better than the parts individually. And this year, it's the opposite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly there's something more than just what is on the field that's going wrong. And I, I think that would make sense. You don't have – I don't think you have a ton of natural leaders on this team. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, their best players, Blake Burke, I don't think is a natural leader. Jared Dickey – while he, you know, I think is kind of a, a lead by example guy, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and, you know, M- MF face. a lot yeah. of guys and, and get in their face like Drew Gilbert or really a lot of guys on last year's team would they be able to do. And I, I think Christian Moore is kind of that guy, is more of that guy, but he's just so high and low. Like he's not even hey. killed enough to be yes. a leader that, you know, everyone wants to follow. Takes everything personally. Yes. Seems like. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So uh, I think there is kind of a lack of leadership and, and a lack of a lack of response. I don't think there's necessarily a lack of want to from this team, but I think there is a, a lack of reaching a bol- boiling point and a lack of, all right, this, this crap can't happen anymore. And uh, a lack of guys that truly, truly despise losing. Again, I don't think there's a lack of That's want to. I don't think these guys enjoy it. It's not like when they're wa- – I was at Arkansas this weekend. It's not like – and I'm on the field after the games waiting to talk to Tony. It's not like they're walking off smiling, laughing. But there's nobody like Drew Gilbert storming in the dugout look like he's going to kill the first person who makes eye contact with him. There's none of that either. Yeah. There's no one – and there were, again, Drew Gilbert's obviously the easy guy to point to, but there were a lot of guys on last year's team that despised losing and, and weren't going to have it. Yeah, that's a good point. Truly despising losing. Not a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just, like you said, there's no natural leaders. It feels like something's missing. And, you know, they were maybe number two in the nation preseason poll was a little too generous and had a little bit of 2022 bias in it. But as you mentioned, this team is really talented. And, you know, like I just can't pin it on the coaching because Tony Vitello has done such a good job at Tennessee. And I don't know a lot of intricacies of baseball to – you know, necessarily point this to Tony Vitello, point that. I feel like it is on the players. Yeah, I mean, it's baseball is, a, is one of the, is to me more than any sport. It's kind of a hard one to draw. What's on coaches? What's on players? Yeah, and 
you know, I think when you look at the year as a whole, you know, the buck stops with Tony Vitello. So certainly there's blame. I mean, there's always going to be blame yes. on the coach if something goes bad. That, yes. that, don't take my words out of context there, yeah. but. You know, I just feel like it, Tony Vitello hasn't totally been the reason for this. It feels like the players haven't lived up to what they should have been. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's at the end of the, there's a, re, a point, and you have this in every sport, where there is a point, you reach a point where it's like, these are little league mistakes. you got to expect your yeah. catcher to catch a pop-up right behind home plate. you got to expect to be able to catch fly balls in the left field. It's not Tony Vitello's fault that they, the middle infield of, Guys that are talented defensively can't botch a, not only can't turn a double play, botch a double play, and throw the ball into center field while trying to do it. Yeah. So, you know those type of things. Uh, while the buck stops with Tony Vitello, you ex- you expect college baseball players and talented college baseball players to make routine plays. So, you're right. There is, I think, a ton of blame uh, to go with the players. I think Tony Vitello's kind of reached a point where he's tried. It feels like he's tried everything, and we go to throwing everything against the wall. It kind of feels like he's doing that. And it kind of feels like he's out of answers, and it's like he said last night, <laughs> the time for talking. You know, he said, "What do you what do you tell the team? What's the message to the team after these last five days?" He says, "Time for talking's done. It's time for actions." And I think they've kind of reached that point. Well, yep. If they've reached that point, we'll see what happens this weekend against Vanderbilt. Ryan, I'm out of things to talk about with this Tennessee baseball team. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, I guess, you know, path to the NCAA tournament, again, 14 is usually, will usually get you in. Um, 15 will for sure get you in. 13 wins has, SEC teams with 13 regular season wins have gotten into the NCAA tournament just twice in the last decade. Texas A&M in 2018 made a run all the way to the SEC, champ, or SEC semifinals, so they won three games in Hoover. Okay. And then Texas A&M again in 2013, they had a game canceled in there, so they went 13 and 16, so... All that to be said, you know, maybe if Tennessee wins 13 and makes it to the championship game in Hoover or something, but 14 is that number they need to get to. So if they have 13, you need a Hoover run, basically. Yes. And even with a Hoover run, I don't think that it's a guarantee that you'll get in. So as of April 19th at 10.45 a.m., do you think Tennessee makes the NCAA tournament? No. No. That's a a confident no. I'd say, you know, I'd say at this point I'd – I'd put more confidence in them missing Hoover. If you made me say what's what's more likely, Tennessee Whoa. misses Hoover or makes the NCAA tournament, I'm saying huh. they miss Hoover. Unreal. I cannot believe we're having this conversation. I know. It's crazy, but <laughs> it's the reality. It's a, Yeah. At least making the tournament's a reality. It may not be the reality that they're more likely to miss Hoover than make the tournament, but that's that's my gut, Phil. I guess I'm just too too optimistic. I don't know. I, I, I don't think they beat Vanderbilt this weekend. I mean, all those teams that have been like playing – you know, have been bad behind or been behind Tennessee to start SEC play. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Georgia, Auburn. All those teams are playing better. You know, they've started yeah, playing Georgia better, and Tennessee have... and Tennessee's kept playing worse. So, yeah, right now um, in the SEC standings, the only two teams with the worst SEC worst SEC record than the Vols is Ole Miss and Georgia. Georgia just took a game off Florida pretty convincingly. That was a heck of a game. I don't know if you guys Yeah, it was. And it was a good series, too. Like, yeah. It was, it was a very competitive. competitive series, and Tennessee will have to go to Georgia, and Tennessee's yeah. one of ten in true road games this year. And I believe Mississippi State, I know they won a series against Bama, and uh, like you said, they've been playing better as of late as well. They just played Vanderbilt last weekend, and Vandy took all three, but um, it was pretty – well. I think that was two, two – I think that was early in the year. Sorry. They played uh, They played Ole Miss, Ole Miss last correct. weekend, and I can't remember who won that series, but it was um, a very competitive series. Yeah. Mississippi State. Mississippi State won it yeah. last two. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. other These SEC bottom dwellers, if you will, at the beginning of the season are starting to play better as Tennessee continuing to play, play worse. Not a good script there for the Vols. 
But I, I feel like they make Hoover. NCAA tournament, we'll see. I think a Mississippi State sweep is required. Maybe a Georgia one as well, but we'll just have to see. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. Ryan, we are going to record the actual Press Pass yeah. right after this. So expect two podcasts coming your way on all of Rocky Top Insider platforms soon. For Ryan Shepard, I'm your host, Jack Foster. We will see you guys next time. Of course, follow Ryan at rshump00. You can give me a follow at Jack Foster Media if you want. Everybody, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.